Tonight, we take a look inside Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 3. Then after that, we'll do a long deep dive discussion into the Forever War. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers. And welcome back once again to your Tuesday night home for movies, games, shows, books, past, present, and future. Sometimes I forget to hit the mute button and bring myself back into the uh, back into the discussion, and that was one such time. I'm joined once again by Corion, our very own witch in residence, Poyo Zapatos, aka Idiot, aka John, uh, CC Karaoke, our resident karaoke liaison slash pop culture enthusiast slash. Uh, I'll come back to that one. And, of course, uh, Devil Cry 3, our uh, resident uh, game developer, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> semi-enthusiast when it comes to pop culture, because somebody, somebody couldn't make time for the book. But that's okay. We're going to talk about it anyway. That's alright, I've missed deadlines before. And welcome back to the, to the channel, Shabeen. Nice to see you back here again. Welcome Glad back. Um... Firstly, uh, we'll just probably uh, we'll just probably go right into it, and we're going to kind of start a little bit of a new formula for our discussions here, and that is going to be starting off each section with what we did not like. And so, Corion, uh, you seem to be expressive about what you did not like in Strange New Worlds Episode 3, so why don't you go ahead and start off the discussion today? Yeah, so... It was an interesting episode, I will say that. The the major issues that I had with it, though, is we get into some very, very heavy canon violations here. Um, under normal circumstances in-universe, in, in the rules about eugenics, about genetic engineering, only applied to humans. Other species were allowed. This was established in uh, Star Trek Enterprise that humanity and the Federation in large didn't have a problem with other non-human species uh, engaging in genetic engineering, provided it didn't cause additional conflict in the species. So, for example, the Denobulans, um, which we had a point-of-view character in Dr. Phlox, uh, was genetically engineered, but it wasn't considered a big deal because they'd been doing it for so long um, like they had done it so long ago in their past, it didn't matter anymore. Now we have an episode where suddenly it is a huge deal that the whole premise of this episode is they had to try to remove their genetic enhancements in order to be accepted into the Federation. And that just doesn't make a lot of sense from how the Federation is supposed to work. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. We have another example of a character whose room is gargantuan. Uh, I've never seen uh, a first officer get a room that big. Um, I'm starting to think I need to apply to work on this ship because it's bigger than my house. Uh, conversely, though, you have Lahura, whose 
sleeping in what looks like the room under the, you know, the cupboard under the stairs. So, Which was a lot like the rack I had to sleep on on my ship. Right, and I mean, you, you would think that you'd be at least a little more equal and reasonable in the distribution of, of, of space on the ship, but this just seems a little out of, out of control, in my opinion. Um, I did think that the inclusion of the, the, the plasma beings here as, as people that kind of ran in was, was a little weird. Um, especially because when you start doing the, the actual, our understanding of physics and everything else is you wouldn't be able to encode a virus onto light. And that's what they kind of went with. It's so far beyond what we understand. I'd be willing to give them one piece of hand wavium here, but the canon violations were just too, a bridge too far for me on this one. So just to reiterate, your your the violations that you did not like were the... Um, sorry, I'm putting a link for one of our uh, viewers in the chat if they want to listen to the book. Oops, that is not what I wanted. Dang it. Sorry. Uh, actually, John, if you don't mind taking care of the link for the audiobook for our, for, our, uh, for Shea Bean in there in case they want to listen to it. Um... So the canon violation that you didn't like was the genetic augment thing? Yeah, so the the way they've just dealt with augment augmentation and whatnot versus how it's always been handled in uh, in Star Trek, right? I mean, this idea that, that number one is also genetically engineered is right on a... Pl- like, it is copying almost whole cloth from Bashir's character from Deep Space Nine. Um... The fact that we've had people serving on ships before, it's starting to become almost a trope in and of itself that one person on the ship is a secret augment or something. Like, it's starting to become more than a little much. Yeah, and and I'll just... I'll, so, I'll just segue into really quick what I didn't like about the episode was I did feel overall it, it just packed on too much. Um, and, by the way, Shea Bean, uh, Poyo Zapatos just put the, uh, put the chat or put the link in the chat. I'm going to say that backwards more times than I'm comfortable admitting. Uh, for the audiobook version of Forever War, which is what most of us use to listen to, because uh, personally, I like audiobooks more than reading. For myself, it's easier for me to pay attention to the story, especially if it's good. Um, and we'll get more into that at the uh, second half of the show. Regarding what I didn't like, I think we did pack on a bit too much. Um, I personally don't mind the retcon a whole lot. Um, I think it, it's... You're talking about a character that wasn't super well-established to begin with, and they're obviously just... They decided to utilize that to tell their story. Um, I think the I think the overall feel and atmosphere of the episode was still good, and, and overall to me it gets a pass. But it's not, it's definitely not perfect, and I think that we can still try to move forward from this into more original ideas into better stories. Uh, but we can get more into that. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us what you didn't like about this episode? Sure. Um... Well, just in general with this show, I've I've had to watch it kind of convincing my brain that it's a whole new cast of characters on a whole new starship. Uh, and the reason I say that is because if I don't do it, then I'm constantly having to think about and scrutinize the uh, the canon conflicts that were just mentioned. And it, and it, it just completely, it frankly, it overwhelms me because there are so many. And that can be spoken to across all three episodes. I mean, they started it right in the first episode with the Gorn, and they continued it, as mentioned here uh, in the third episode. It really feels like 
there's this weird conflict going on where they where they really want to do their own thing with a whole new concept and ideas, which isn't necessarily bad because there are things I've liked and there's things I've disliked. Um, but yet they're using this established character set with these established rules, which they're kind of not caring to follow very well because they kind of just also want to do their own thing. So I think um, that came into play for me again with this episode. Um, going to like that kind of three episode test rule where you say those three episodes in now, you know, whereas a show like the Orville, I mean, the third episode really caught me and, and grabbed me. Now we're three episodes into this, into this show. And I don't think I'd watch any of the three of them a second time. I, I wouldn't, you know, uh, removing myself from the, the established characters in the canon, they were okay. I mean, they, they weren't awful by any stretch, but, but not, none of them were really amazing either. And part of me hopes that, that, this show can at least reach a point where there's a few like 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 with past uh, shows, uh, uh, with past shows like Deep Space Nine and, and um, Next Generation original series, all of them, that each season has a few really just spectacular episodes because that'll really make it more difficult to say well canon, but great writing you know, and to have that argument. Um, but the yeah, I mean, the genetic storyline with, with number one in this episode, it was nowhere near as uh, as interesting as Dr. Bashir. I don't find her to be nearly, nearly as interesting a character. I'm not sure there's a character on this show that I like as much as, as Dr. Bashir. Now, that may be a high watermark because I like him as much as I do, but, you know, I, I wonder 10 or 15 or 20 episodes down the line if I'm really going to find myself invested in the characters at all because right now... It's like, okay, everyone on the ship is dying, and why do I care? <laughs> I didn't really feel anything about it, you know? Uh, yeah, anyway. it's it's not... Uh, it's probably not going to... Um, it's probably not going to get to the levels of Trek that, that we're used to or that we expect. And I don't necessarily want to... You know, am I making an excuse? I am. And I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to say that because I'm enjoying the show for what it is, but I'm also not... Uh, putting it in uh, high regard either because it's 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 better than Discovery. I enjoy it better than Picard. I mean, I didn't even bother with with episode two Picard or season two of Picard. Excuse me. Also, do want to shout out uh, Maria. Thank you so much for sharing the channel. Um, we absolutely appreciate that, and I do want to be be doing more of that in return. Uh, and of course, as we continue to to grow together, as I, Orville Nation puts it, I think that's that'll be a lot easier to do over time. Um, and of course, thank you, Punk Media Karaoke. Absolutely correct. Drink your water. I'm gonna drink my uh, Baja Blast, but mm, I'll get to my water. close enough there. Yeah, close I, uh... enough. Soda, water, <laughs> the same thing. So I, 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 certainly... I try to avoid water. I know what fish do in that stuff, and uh... yeah, I know fish poop in that. You, you want to yeah. drink water? You mean like from the toilet? Man, we may have I, to be an idiot. I swallow And as far as your, your point about the doctors goes, I mean, we will definitely have to set aside time, probably after the season's run, uh, for the Trek shows to do to do a comparison of favorite doctors, captains. I'd love to do that, especially with everybody here. Actually, we could just make that a separate stream. We don't have to make that a TWB show. Um. So yeah, I. And I, I, I get it. The canon, uh, it, 
it's like Leonard Nimoy said in regards to 2009. It's it's a different story. It's where does Star Trek want to take you this week? And that's how I'm basically choosing to approach this show now. Is It's like how many editions of Spider-Man comics are out there already? And how many of those editions tell the same story but in different ways? I mean, how many Batman origin stories are we up to now? And so that's kind of where I'm feeling Star Trek is at because there's so many ideas and there's so much different perspective on the original canon that people are going to tell their own stories at this point as long as they just do that. And that's what I liked about the 2009 movies was you could just ignore them because they took place in their own universe. And I think that's what really helps the fandom in the long run is if, if we have these different types of flavors. Um, but that doesn't mean that I have to like every episode. And so I'm not going to like every episode. Um, but continuing on, Devil Cry 3, was there anything you didn't like about this episode? So actually, uh, my thoughts kind of coincide, uh, obviously, with less canon reference than either of them. But my thoughts, weirdly enough, do coincide very similar to Corion as well as uh, CC, in, like, in a weird meshing of the two. So, like... Well, one thought I had, which we kind of talked about in our Discord, but at the time I hadn't watched it, so I couldn't get too deep into it, is like, with the whole uh, augmentations and humans thing, like, I know in the, uh, for as far as original uh, lore, from what you've said, that that's was just the humans. The thought that, uh, that I kind of had and was curious about does that break its own canon with the previous two shows or just original Star Trek lore? Because if that's still tr if the way they've done it still tracks with the other two shows it's technically connected to, then it's like it's a, a little more like mm, it, it makes sense within its its little box of itself. But if it breaks that as well, then like you've broke so many layers of canon at that point. Like what are you doing? But even within that it was worth like not having that lore like and being presented this information i need to put this down a little. i'm using my hands and you can't see my hands i'm like doing this stuff and you can't see anything it's like a conversation so, like, on the phone and when you're doing those mannerisms and you look yep, at yourself you're doing this like, an and no one sees what you're doing so like <laughs> exactly. they start off the episode presenting that information and then later on it's revealed that the first mate which i agree with you as far as characters are concerned she's she's all right I, I don't really have a preference to her one way or another, um, but like they present this information of like augmentations are bad and you can't do them, and then it's revealed that she is this race that I forget the name of where they're all about augmentations. I'm like, hold up, if this race is not allowed in the Federation because of augmentations, and this is a big no-no. Okay, I was in the military. I know at least a couple, the rest of uh, most of us here were. The level of physicals you go through and the, the, the screening you go to, you're not going to convince me. Like, that's what broke it for me. I was like, you're going to convince me that this woman full of augmentations made it onto the ship when Dude, they're the not show even allowed even as part of the Federation? Like, Starfleet yeah. knew she was an Illyrian <laughs> exactly. because she pulled up her childhood photo of them scanning yeah. her as an Illyrian. Like, I'm like, I'm it like, It doesn't make that... sense. That she, who did she trick? Yeah, I'm like, you paid someone off. Like, I was like, at yeah, least but, but give me who? this little nugget that I can use. For it. She's like, I shouldn't yeah, have like, snuck onto this like, ship. And it's like, dude, that was that was the it. moment where I'm like, even if I ignore, I don't know the canon, and I'm following your canon. 
this this is a problem. It's not. It's one thing when a, a spy of the same race manages to sneak in because that's like that's documentation, accents, like all that kind of jazz. There's there's ways to get around that. You fundamentally have a different process within your body. That is that is super noticeable. Like what what have we done here? And then on the same note, uh, I I think it was CC who was saying this like. It's like this thing where it's like, I'm enjoying the show. Like, I don't, like, even from a person who doesn't have a ton of Star Trek, uh, like, knowledge. Like, I, I, I enjoy the show, sure. Like, can I watch it? Sure. Will I ever watch it again? No. Like, I'll never watch the first three episodes again. I will watch, th I'll probably watch through the season. I'll remember most of it. That's worth remembering. <laughs> and that'll be it. Like, when all these characters were about to die, all I could think about is... Okay, but what about this character you introduced in this episode? Like, how is he relevant? Uh, relevant, and he's not. The entire they introduce someone early on as a throwaway character, and he means nothing. And I'm like, that's the only thing I was thinking about. I was like, all right, but where are we going with this guy? Like, when the crazy stuff ha started to happen, I didn't even think it'd be the smart dude on the ship. I just assumed it was gonna be him, because he had been introduced early on. It was Chekhov's gun, and it they didn't use it. And I was like. Okay, so you just gave me this character, you gave him a name, I don't have any connection to him, you've now not utilized him, you have this bay full of people I might know a handful of names of, like, the two main characters that people are going to be worried about are on the planet, not even dealing with this disease, but by the logic, they should also be dealing with this disease, but they're not, <laughs> they get saved by the plasma people, most interesting part... <laughs> Hands down, the most interesting part is them being like, oh, we're we're boned, and then the glass breaks, and they're saved, and they're both like, yeah, so that was weird, right? I take that back. Most interesting part is when they're like, we figured out what happened here, I think, and then a, a, a cylinder goes, bloop. All right, that was the most interesting part of the entire episode, was the mysterious cylinder pop out. Like, even as a person with little Star Trek knowledge, I was like, it was, it was all right. But it's still, I mean, it wasn't that good either. Like, it was just kind of like, I, sure, it's it's fun. It's it's an entertaining sci-fi show. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Orville Nation in the chat says, I have a real problem with the last two uh, media staff, or medical staffers putting themselves to sleep. In my opinion, McCoy, Crusher, Flocks would have never done that. It makes no sense. Yes, I, it, I, it, I, it does to an extent, though, because they're also about to start losing their minds and going after... Like, look what happened when they left the genius dude unchecked running around the ship. He literally almost Im destroyed the ship in space. Then everyone was going to definitely be dead. Like Also, it, also Punk Media Karaoke has subscribed to the channel for more uh, discussion. Thank you so much, Punk Media Karaoke. Thanks for being here. And yes, everyone, if, if you don't mind uh, sharing, if you like what we see, please... Feel free to give us a like, a subscribe, and please blast this everywhere. We're we're interested in, in having uh, long discussions about this. We may have, fire up some more streams in the future to have more elaborate and probably more inclusive fan discussion as we grow. Um, so this is this is kind of our Tuesday night block, and especially June. June, all of you all are going to be excited for June. We got Star Trek, we got Star Wars, and we got Orville. We got a great month ahead of us. Uh, starting next week. So I'm looking forward to it. Our, our show's just going to continue to get better. And you guys that come here and watch and, and provide your, uh, whether you provide contributions in the chat or even engage in your own discussion, that's great. We love having everybody here. We love seeing the, the, the nerd talk. That's why we do this. 
and uh, welcome back Shea Bean and Sam are remotely entertaining shows but it is Steno I don't quite understand in, in what you mean War Starter 30 welcome to the show welcome to the discussion that's, that's oh me. Star Trek in name only of course and that's mm, yeah War Starter like is said. Devil Cry uh, yeah. As Strange New Worlds is nowhere near the original series or the, uh, I mean, it's definitely the first couple episodes I would argue are better than some of the worst of the TOS and TNG era sh- episodes, but it's got a long way to go to really try and, and see if I'm going to stick around to the next season. I like it right now, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say I really enjoyed the, I guess it's like a C plot of the doctor's daughter um, oh yeah like that was, that nice was actually little, the one thing little... that really <laughs> i forgot about that that's somewhat, actually that was a know, nice little nugget of like invested see yeah. i felt that they sh- that should have been revealed in next week's episode or in this week's episode personally i think it was just adding on too much by that point that it was like of mm. course this well, you know once again the uss therapy prize taking on everybody who's got a sad backstory and and all this stuff and it's like <laughs> You know, at this point, I just want a spoiled rich ensign just to just to add to the variety here, just to show us one person who's normal, boring and doesn't have a tragic backstory so that there's at least one person on the ship that we can relate to. Okay, I mean, I've had tragic stuff happen in my life. Don't get me wrong. I can definitely relate to every single tragedy on this ship at this point. However, I don't want to. I didn't want to escape early. Right. This is, it actually this, the episode reminded me of uh, the Enterprise episode Impulse, which I really enjoyed. And it, it, I, I, it's going to be inevitable when, when you're reusing certain plot lines, of, like virus hits ship. But you know, it, it kind of felt like it was a, it was the poor man's version of a better done version of the same plot, such as Impulse, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, and and so it's it is what it is. Uh, John, any well, thoughts on what you did not like about episode three of Strange New Worlds? Yeah, I mean for me, like the big things I didn't really enjoy were mostly just in the it's so fast. Like I feel like a lot of these shows are under the impression that they're gonna be one hundred percent beloved right out the gate, despite like all of the evidence to the contrary and the way the writing is going is just like you already love the characters let's skip ahead a couple weeks and it's like no we don't know any of your characters you just wrote all new ones you replaced known entities and now you're trying to give them backstory and we're here to hope for the best but prepared for the worst because we've seen picard we've seen uh discovery and to me that just seems like they're not paying attention to the the reality that they have failed like they're just not accepting it they're 100 percent ignoring that everybody hated their last two shows that the majority of their view counts were dramatically reduced in comparison to even i bet you people going back and watching reruns on paramount plus are higher by a long shot than discovery or picard any episode I bet you every other Star Trek show on uh, Paramount has more views, minus maybe this new one. So far, and yeah. but like with this new show, I feel like one of the biggest things that like really just made it seem so forced was that like this really feels like a seventh episode in a twenty-two episode season, 
where like we're finally gonna have a ship centric episode but it was episode three and it felt like like it, it felt rushed like we didn't know any of these characters we don't care about them honestly when everybody started dying i was like oh that's a great way to start over just kill off all the known characters and let's go keep three of them now we know now we have a real tragic backstory that we the audience experience with them in real time so shaving in the in the chat uh so we're kind of gonna break a little bit from our strange new world discussion for a second because they bring up they ask a valid question as a person who has no track knowledge why did people dislike picard i thought sir patrick stewart was generally loved um looks like or looks like orville nation and sam r have uh, responded actually read the responses real quick uh, oh, no, wait. Okay, they haven't responded to that question, so I'm just going to leave those be for a second. Uh, Shaving for myself, uh, because here at Ryder Brothers, we typically represent our own views. No, Nobody in here agrees with either of us 100% on everything. That's why we have our panel. That's why we have discussions. So, for speaking for myself, why I didn't like Picard is it was a it was a departure from the original character when you watch, if you go back and you make the time to watch all seven seasons of Next Generation, which you will not uh, you will not feel that as time wasted at all. You will feel worthwhile. Um, you're going to see a huge difference between that Picard and even the Picard in the next generation films. Uh, Generations, Insurrection, First Contact, and Nemesis. Um, the Picard we see even in the movies, while that was also a departure from the show, is not this this shell of a person that we see in the Picard TV series from Paramount or from CBS, whatever. The, the Kurtzman Picard is what we'll call him. Um, that, that character is not anything like the original character because instead of, of going back to the original source material, they basically let Patrick Stewart make the character into himself. And while Patrick Stewart is appreciated and respected as an actor, in real life, he's a bit of a weirdo. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. He's just very... Uh, he, he can be very egotistical and he can be very self-centered and that's that's his business I'm not trying to knock the guy particularly it's just there's a reason that actors don't typically get involved with the writing or with directing when it comes to these types of productions and that's because they don't understand the character that they played they can put on the face they can become the character they can they can give us what we see but it doesn't resonate with them the same way that it resonates with us fans. We don't see Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard. We see Captain Picard first portrayed by Patrick Stewart. And so that's the problem that I had with Picard is by the end of season one, we were just, I mean, we were just off the deep end with everything sci-fi. Nothing made any sense. And I just didn't bother with season two because I didn't care. I was disinterested in all the new characters that they had introduced and tried to force me to like. And that's really what I hated about Picard was it forces you to try to like these characters. And so that's my issue. Um, but if we want to go around the room real quick and state what we did not like about Picard. Uh, Corion, go right ahead. Well, I think you've basically hit the nail on the head that. Patrick Stewart should never be allowed to actually write Picard or, or for that matter, direct Picard. Um, if, if you guys see Star Trek Nemesis, but um, the, the, the key for me too, is it, it has a lot to do with Picard while in the show is not particularly a man of action. He is, um, I almost want to call him like the ship's space dad. Like, he's the kind of guy you would go to 
when something goes really, you know, screwed up and he sits you down and he goes, okay, we're going to fix this. This is how it gets, this is how it gets fixed. You know, you guys go do this. You guys go do that. You know, I will give, you know, the important speech to, to clear all this up and then we're done. This Picard, um, you know, like that Picard, the TNG Picard would never associate with really unsavory individuals. Um, the other characters that he is running into in his own series, these are people he would never associate with because these are people that are so broken and so flawed and have no hope of becoming something better. And it feels like he's dragged down to that level as opposed to lifting things up, which is what Picard was always about was building that up. Um, that it feels really alien to the character and it feels really alien to the previous seven years. And I think if you're going to have a massive departure like that, um, you know, name the character differently, right? Like have a, tell a different story because this, you know, it, it just, it doesn't feel like Picard. It feels like what I would expect of like some broken Lieutenant that retired early and didn't see the point of his service or something. Basically the it's it's a show based on the Picard in the episode tapestry. It is, yeah. is what we see. Um Shabin yeah. in the chat says that's funny because my general impression I got from any commercials I saw for Star Trek was Picard just sitting in a chair smirking. Well, as I think about that, Shabin, we didn't even get that. <laughs> so and here's another point to that, Shabin, is because the Picard that's smirking in the chair is this 100% tried and true gentleman, the honorable hero. He knows right from wrong every of the time, even when it's an abstract uh, simulation malfunction that makes him fall in love with an actual, like a simulated person because he goes into a long journey and stuff like that. And that Picard is, he's whole. He's a man's man's man. And he knows what that means to him. And he knows what Starfleet stands for. He knows what Starfleet always stood for. He knows what it stands for in his heart. And then he also knows what it stands for to each of his crew members. In this new show, we're watching a 96-year-old Sir Patrick Stewart go through a 25-year-old's journey. Like, he's suddenly having his midlife crisis at the very end of his life. It's like suddenly like it, it, the show is trying to tell us that his world is unraveling and he just never saw it coming but at 96 years old i don't think any person could actually handle that especially the amount of space travel he's attempting to do every day uh, and, and it's not even just 96 year old like sir patrick stewart it's 96 year old picard like it's the oldest picard we've ever seen and somehow he acts like the most teenage Picard we've ever seen. Unfortunately, we don't have to blame Sir Patrick Stewart for any of the writing because he has zero credits. Uh, he didn't get any credit. No, they probably so, didn't give him credit. But no, he definitely, they definitely. No, and, and, uh, but but you see, I think that's the problem though is he was talking to new Star Trek writers about his character Picard and they were also like well we love Sir Patrick Stewart we also want to incorporate that because we've seen all of your musical history because it was something Carrion brought up in our personal discussions before the show started but a lot of writers have zero experience 
past education right now. A lot of the people that are getting hired are getting hired out of school and they're not, that's it. Like they've been to college and they can think of Project X as their most eventful party movie. But they have no experience being no, an old no, man. No, you don't have experience. You don't understand, okay? I just graduated, and I had to deal with one person on the internet disagreeing with me. Literal what? assault. <laughs> I think Literally the assaulted. I think that's the funny thing, is a lot of the the people complain about people, like, talking about them on the internet. But, like, I'm really confused, because a lot of these people are technically my peer group, as far as age um, and experience goes. And, like... I'm pretty sure the people that are writing these stories should be more than equipped for the internet hate because if it's anything like it was when I was in high school, it you can get used to it. You can get over it real fast. Uh, what I have a problem with, as far as like blaming Picard for the writing, is like no, like Patrick Stewart wasn't paid to write. He, he wasn't. These writers paid to write, were, but but it, it is. They were given dollar bills and they wasted them. It has been it has been echoed by several different sources that his influence and and his personal injections and changes into the character were influenced on the show. Well, um, and that's the funny thing though so, is like Picard wasn't even a bad character in his show. No, he wasn't. Like, is, and that's why I don't really have a problem with Sir Neil Pat or Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart, he he's a man, and he wanted his character to be his character, but. All those other characters sucked a hundred percent worse. Like I, I oh, don't yeah, remember no, it just any adds of their names. The even it's not the problem. Even the cameo from his first, uh, his number one. I hated it. I was betrayed. I was like, yeah, no, this dude is one. Like honestly, he should have been bad. running anyway, Starfleet. <laughs> but anyway, any anyone want to share any final thoughts regarding Picard? Uh, CC or Chris? I saw that you basically said that you didn't really watch it, which that's fine. After Axanar, I completely dropped off of Star Trek, literally until this show. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's definitely something we'll we'll probably have a show or, or maybe a special live stream dedicated to is is talking about that particular project because that's a whole that's a whole another assault on creativity that we just don't have time for this show to get into. Um, but I would like to transition to a little bit more uh, op- optimistic sayings or optimistic uh, <laughs> what am i trying to say a more optimistic appraisal of the situation so to speak to quote uh, other sci-fi and that is what did we like about strange new worlds episode three so Corion, is there anything at all that you could think of that you actually liked that you want to share yeah, well, I mean, I, I said before, I really liked uh, the, I want to call it the C plot of the episode, where we had the doctor um, reveal that his his kid is, is basically being kept in the buffer, and the reason why he's actually out in, in Starfleet is he's looking for a cure for his daughter. I think that's, uh, you know, an interesting play on it. I also love that we actually got to see a good dad. Like, think about that for a second, right? We got a sci-fi show with a good, positive dad role model, right? I mean, here he is. He's reading to his kid. He's being a father as best he can in the environment that he's got. And you know what? I friggin' love that. I loved the interplay between Spock and Pike. I thought that worked out really well. That entire plot of them being stuck on the surface... You know, where Spock is 
really more interested in the book he's discovered than anything else going on around him where Pike feels like a, a tiger trapped in a cage was a fantastic dichotomy of like the Vulcan human relationship, right? Where we have the very rational Spock sitting down reading a book because what else is he going to do? And we have the passionate Pike going, well, come on, we got to figure out something to do, right? And and Spock's kind of sitting there going like, yeah, I'm reading. That's what I'm going to do. Um, the delivery on know, that line was kind of corny, but you know, I'm arming us with knowledge. It's like... But that's also TOS corniness, though, too. Right. I mean, that 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 felt like that felt right in a lot of ways for the series, though. Right. I mean, I am good with a bookworm Spock. Right. You know, the 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 jacked Captain Vulcan that we got was, was a little bit much for me. Like if he threw a shield, I wouldn't have you know, I wouldn't have been shocked. But the sit down, read a book while, you know, chaos and, and madness is going on around him. Yeah, I'd buy that Spock, right? Um, you know, I enjoyed that. I actually liked the conversation that happened near the end of the episode between Una and Sing. Because we actually got what I felt like would be the real conversation that they would have there. Like a, I'm not upset, I'm more disappointed that you couldn't discuss this with me. Right? And I'm upset that we couldn't have that kind of conversation because you were so worried about the trust issues. Not that, you know, like, I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad about that, that you didn't feel like you could trust me with this. And you know what? That's a very real conversation. I've had that conversation about a different matter. So I can relate to that. I bought it. Um... And I respected the hell out of the fact that they went there and it didn't turn into a crying hugging fest. It turned into, it was a legitimate conversation where they were sitting down eating some fruit and just having the kind of conversation you would expect to have in a kitchen when you're dealing with a bunch of crazy stuff in a home. So I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, those were the big points for me. I mean, uh, anytime we get the uh, Andorian on the ship doing crazy stuff is always a win for me. Because he's just... oh, I I will watch the show just for Hammer right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could just, like, listen to him be a sarcastic, like, you know, jerk all day, every day. Exactly. And uh, real quick, Orville Nation in the chat makes note, uh, Kate Mulgrew is said to have put her foot down, did not want to F up her legacy in Prodigy like Patrick Stewart was doing. Yes, and she's actually doing a very good job of that because she's actually been starring as uh, Admiral Janeway in Star Trek Online as well as her mere counterpart, Marshall Janeway. And she is doing an absolute awesome job at both of those roles. She's the first of the original five captains to join the game which is very awesome and lots of fun to play alongside Captain Janeway. I mean, that's that's like a dream come true for a lot of Star Trek fans, especially Voyager fans. Um, and so, yes, that's that's a very worthwhile point overall. But at this point, I would probably watch a Captain Janeway show because if they put it in the STO universe, fine. <laughs> at this point, it, like I said, it's... I'm basically treating these these newer Star Treks now, especially Strange New Worlds, it's like a comic book to me. It's like, you know, it's it's Spider-Man versus the Amazing Spider-Man. And I think that's probably what this overall uh, K-Trek universe will be, is it'll just be his take on the universe, and hopefully in the next five to ten years, when it's time for somebody else, hopefully more competent to handle Star Trek, 
we can either go back to it or we can try something completely new, completely set apart from all of the Star Trek. Like seriously, it's a big galaxy, people. It's a big timeline. We can we can do something fresh if that's really what's best for everybody in the long run. Um, Greek flag. It's a very very bad comic book. Yes, uh, it it most definitely can. I I, I I agree. The discovery issues and the Picard issues were pretty bad. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Chris, what did you think of? Um, uh, what did you like? about Strange New Worlds, episode three. I'll, I'll start by saying I, I think Corian hit, hit on all of the, the writing parts that, that's, that stuck out to me um, the most as being the better parts of the writing in this episode. But uh, I've overall, I've enjoyed the production. I, I think the production values have been really, really great. And especially when I was watching... The, the, this episode <laughs> in fact the first the first thing i wrote down uh, prior to the opening credits is like that's a great opening sequence at least so far and like I, that, that captured me um and i really i just I, I loved the cinematography in this episode especially over the first two and it made me have to like turn around and say okay who, who did the camera work on this one i liked all the framing how the you know uh, how una's like in that one scene she's standing in front of the the um, the screen and it's kind of like it's framing her head around like like there's just a lot of thought about uh, the composition of the shots uh, and, I, and I wish that could match up to some of the other stuff <laughs> but um, um, I thought episode one know, and two it, were pretty good so far but yeah and I think overall that, that, that's been really really strong it's like um, uh, even, even if I, you know, there there can be comments made about whether the ship makes sense, whether it should literally be filmed in Ticonderoga, or whether it's fine as it is, or whether the hallways or the rooms are too big, whether there should be a you know a, a, a fireplace, or whether it's holographic, and all those questions. It, it, it's still slick design, you know. If I can remove myself from it being the Enterprise, and in I've really. I, I, I saw this comment elsewhere and, and I remember that because I agree when I, when I watched the episode I was like hey they're doing that that old commercial break uh, tag where the, where the music swells and there's like the, you know that, that, that cliffhanger moment and then you go to commercial and I know sometimes the shows like they go out of their way to completely erase that so when you're watching it on streaming without commercials it's like I have no idea where the commercials are because they just seamlessly cut right uh, and I kind of appreciated that old school kind of commercial break format as well yeah yeah I, I like having that as well uh so uh oh by the way corion i was gonna also say to follow up your point about uh dr M- dr uh Mbenga being a strong fatherly character again while i do think it was packing on a bunch of that episode that is a very valid point and so i think now with that in mind i am excited to see this series go forward especially with that character as well so I think that's a very good point. You're right. It's nice and refreshing to see a, a, a strong dad lead uh, for once that's that's a part of the crew. And that's something that we kind of really haven't seen a lot in any Star Trek series now that I think about it. We, well, since Cisco. Right, exactly. We, we saw that with Cisco, but there was also kind of that expectation of that, though, at the same time, because he's also the commander. So, of course, he's probably going to be a good dad by default. And he more or less was. He had, he had it figured out. He balanced duty with, with, with being a dad, and he did a very good job of it. 
now we're going to see a character that doesn't quite have those same responsibilities, but those responsibilities are more in the backdrop, where he's the chief medical officer aboard the flagship, but the expectation isn't going to be as much for him as it would be for somebody like Cisco or anybody in that position. Um, but yes, it's, it is refreshing to have a, a strong father character on the, on the crew. Uh, let's see, Greek flag uh, with Nate knows 1973 says the ship is all wrong and way too big, and they only or, and they still only have 300 crew members. Strange New World Enterprise looks like it was built by Doctor Who because it is bigger on the inside. <laughs> Personally, I like I like the design. It's a different take. It's definitely a better uh, true to form style than the Abrams design was. Uh, but I'm also just a ship guy in general. You point a Camaro of any year in front of me, even the catfish years, if it's done right, I'll I'll enjoy it. So that's that's also where my love for the ship kind of comes from. Is I can appreciate a different take on a classic car. Um, so, but at the same time, I can also understand and respect the perspective of wanting it true to form to the original series, uh, 450 crew battleship that it's that it more or less was. Well, I mean, I, and I will add in, right? Look, I can appreciate updating the existing stuff, right? I mean, like, let's be honest. The 60s ship, even when they did it in Trials and Tribulations, looked really dated, right? So I, I have no problem going, this is probably similar to what Gene would have done had he had the technology and budget to do it. So that yep. that's um, the forgivable in my The uniforms look very sharp, book. too. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, no, it, it, it's forgivable in my book. My only issue is the logical parts of it where, you know, the captain seems to have, like, jeez. I'm waiting to, to see that he's got a loft as well in in his, his cabin here, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's getting to, like, it's a little ridiculous. Um, I don't see why you'd have such high ceilings as an example, right? Um, yeah. That is definitely, I think that you can easily point that to simply being from a cinematography perspective. It's a lot right. easier to shoot in bigger halls than it is. And that was actually, funnily enough, an issue with Star Trek Online because of the camera perspectives. That's why the, the original interiors looked so ginormous was because they couldn't figure out the, the field of view and whatnot. Now, obviously, it looks a lot better and it's more closer to scale. Um and then Orville Nation says, I like the opening intro. Yes, I love it. I yeah. think it's better than even, I'd even uh, put it up there, probably above Voyager and even DS9. It's it's a very good Star Trek intro, uh, a good sort of modern remix of the original theme while also standing out on its own. Uh, yeah, I, I've watched the intro a few times outside of the show because I like it and sometimes I like to hype myself up to play STO by watching it. Um, yeah, the little theremin piece at the end there is just it's the perfect little kiss at the end of the the opening yep uh brandon what did you like about episode three right so i mean i mean as said before corion and cc both cover pretty pretty well though i have a couple little tidbits of like i agree like my favorite part uh over you know a period of time was definitely the section with pike and spock down on the planet uh, though to be fair, in the beginning portion of the episode, I thought that's where our main uh, source of con conflict was going to be. I thought like the main like ongoings of 
everything going on was going to be between them and the storm and then it ended up being like this really small plot point of like and even then the storm ended up not even being the main source of like conflict it was the plasma people who saved them so like that was like that part was kind of odd but i did like all the the interactions between them the leading up all of that was i really liked that like i said i originally thought that was going to be a bigger point of contention um now i'm trying to get back to things i like because i was thinking about what people said about some other things and i agree and disagree about different facts um, that's fine just because the screen says what we did like doesn't mean you have to actually follow that, that well it's, that's it's a like, guideline not a cop yeah fair enough well it's like when talking about like spacing and stuff there are things i i kind of agree with corey on where it's like there are things about some of the spacing where it's like all right i can i get behind that like i i can i can let especially with you know sci-fi and ships and whatever like sure some stuff definitely like the like the main um deck area there the bridge that's the word i was looking for my brain i hate it i can do, i i, I, I don't mind how okay. large the bridge is but then i do agree when you go to pike's room like his room is i was thinking about that because it got brought up last time how big his room was while i was watching and i was like his room is pretty big his room is is really big <laughs> his, his room you can fit a car or two inside of his room that's a big room like yeah I didn't realize how I until I was really thinking about. It, I was like, man, that's a lot of space for a dude. I mean, a woman, whatever, but just a single person. That's a lot of room. And then, uh, then with the with the chief medical doctor, I liked that subplot. Though when he walked over and it would revealed his daughter, I had some weird mixed feelings because he gives this the story. So he has this really nice dad moment with her, which is nice, and I agree with you. The the dad the like secret dad character willing to do whatever he he needs to, right? And he he reads her story and stuff. But after the conversation he has, and he talks about watching your child degrade over time, when I realized they were gonna reveal his daughter and she looked perfectly fine, I had one of two thoughts: one, you either completely just messed up your own plot point, or two there is more going on and i really kind of want it to be that because that works better than just like oh yeah we talked about how she has cancer and she's been degrading but looks ex of perfect health like that does not it just doesn't make sense i've i've i like cancer doesn't totally wreck every single person i've seen people who looked relatively fine before well but it, typically hold on now this is like super uncurable space cancer now let's just keep that yeah. in perspective that's that's kind of where his head like cancer. he he lays that on real thick and she top dollar she's in better health than i am and that it just i was like i was like there has to be more here like he he i i was like i'm hoping he was lying to her at this point like because that you're not selling to me that she has cancer like obviously that would be really sad but that's that's the point that's the point of the story point of if you, your character has a daughter who has cancer it's supposed to be this awful thing like you're not going to sell me it unless you sell that it's awful and so like i'm definitely leaned uh, i'm leaning into the fact that like he just sold her a sort a story and something else is going on um but 
throughout the episode, I really liked the, like, you're hiding something, and it's super apparent. Like, you're definitely hiding something, and you don't want it found. And I was like, what's it going to be? Like, I was actually excited for that. And then I, I do agree. I forget his name, but the the main, the the genius dude, that's the only thing I ever refer to him because I cannot remember his name. Hammer. Hammer. Hammer's hilarious. Hammer, Pike, and Spock are the three characters I genuinely care about on this ship. They are the most entertaining. Spock, I mean, Spock is, you know, Spock with, with his very dry, but like, it works with a lot how you know personalities and all that and then hammers just like dude <laughs> some of the stuff he says to people is wild like mm, you realize it's gonna take all night right yeah cool like it's like i'll do that then <laughs> like, so sam r in the chat says the dining area could have been an officer's wardroom uh, old navy tradition i believe it was captain pike's quarters but yeah they might get some forgiveness from me if they are multi-purposing certain rooms so if he just uses his room as the officer's mess i could see mm. that working because if you know if he's hosting breakfast that makes sense or if he just says eat in your quarters then then that could definitely be so we'll see we'll see how that goes my theory still is holding up about spock and the vulcans only act more emotional when humans or other species aren't around and we'll see if that if that plays out oh what'd you have brandon i i did have mixed thoughts about the med bay uh for a couple different reasons like one it seems like the med bay size changes every time we turn around to fit whatever scene is going on like there's only one point do you i i actually recall seeing them move into a different room and that was when she's talking to him and they move into like his office area that's the only time they actually make a room change otherwise it does seem like every time we are turning around that med bay is sized to fit it yeah it goes from tiny yeah, to ginormous yeah. like there's the one like, shot where it's like suddenly it's two yeah, floors they, high yeah right? they, 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 everyone's kind of a, in there they did use kind of a dialogue one off of that said oh we had to open the auxiliary med bay or whatever and it's like what is that even so there's a space on the ship that isn't used like, all the time that mm -hmm. makes another room bigger but serves no other purpose uh Geek like flag says, it's funny what? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just go saying, ahead. Geek Flag says, uh, why couldn't J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, and Bad Robot just make Star Trek after Voyager? Why all this rewriting history? Star Trek is about the future, so let's go forward. I 100,000% agree with you. While I do like some of these, some of this stuff that's come out of it, or particularly while I am enjoying Strange New Worlds and Anson Mount is killing it as Pike, yes, I would have rather they just continue the timeline from after uh, uh, Nemesis cool. on. I think Orville the Nation one... says, knowing the writers, to me it felt like Pike and Spock are kind of sidelined in this episode instead of their absence being a natural part of the story. Yes, and that's probably one thing that I would say I liked about it was it did give the, in the third episode, it did show that the other characters can stand on their own. I thought that, that mm. number one did a good job. I, I thought that uh, uh, Hemmer obviously goes without saying. And again, we got some character development for Mbanga, which was, which was, uh, I was impressed with the misdirection when they did the lighting effect. Like, I thought, oh, no, he's one of them. And then, of course, it turns out, no, that's it's nothing to do with it at all. Actually, um, I, I've got a, a good writing re writer reason why they had to get Spock, at least, off the ship during this virus. Because Spock is a physical powerhouse, even from OG Trek. Like, he, he literally crushes uh, a computer with just his bare hands, or just single bare hand at one point. There is no way anybody could have stopped him 
from deciding to like beam up a part of the sun or or you know override a warp core because he just wants more light there's no nothing anyone could have done on that ship they just kind of would have been like well i guess we're dead then so they had to get him off the ship in order to be able to do this story yeah but that doesn't fix the logic of why didn't they get sick they're on the planet the disease came from that still doesn't that that part never like I was like, but if that came from the planet and they're talking about how everyone gets sick on the planet, yeah, is your only and, logic and that there was no light? Episode three in well, the chat, by all means, and I'll try to read everyone. But uh, I'm just gonna put mine out there. C minus passable overall. Not super great, but not yeah. terrible to the point where I wouldn't watch it or wouldn't recommend it yet. Anyone else? My, yeah, my my opinion of the episode is it's definitely closer to a C or a D. Especially in terms of where it belongs in the season, it does feel like a later episode that, like, maybe if we hadn't seen Doctor and Vega for a few episodes really play or flex his character, it would have been nice to finally get to know him. But instead, it's like, we just got to know Pike. We barely even got to meet number one. We just met Ohora. Now we're meeting number one, the doctor, the nurse. <laughs> and then we're just going through this, like, harsh list. And when it comes to, like, the start, or not start, um, Spock and Pike being sent down to the, the planet and getting stuck there, like, the only thing that the show did to explain why they didn't get sick was that the sickness had to do with a combination of the ion storm, the transporter, and that, like, part of the ion storm is created by the sickness mixed with the ion storm I, it, it obviously doesn't make sense which is why <clears throat> nobody remembered it but there was a couple like lines in there that described something with the storm interfering with the transporter then the transporter didn't have enough power then it did have enough power they got on board everybody's sick then it magically tra travels light and yet somehow it's also one of the slowest progressing communicable diseases in history like it yeah. should everybody should have been sick the moment they beamed on board if it was a light born illness because there's lights all around the ship and then the whole part about all right we're going to turn all the lights off and they didn't yeah, yeah. the whole bottom <laughs> lines are all lit and it's like well we still need yeah. to see the characters and it's like well so, they don't make an entire episode about turning the lights off yeah so geek geek flag in the chat says number one backstory was completely lifted from dr bashir ds9 uh chris was saying yeah. that earlier in the beginning of the broadcast so yeah definitely definitely tracking the same thoughts there uh mm -hmm. sam r says c minus passable and uh, geek flag gives it a d minus and so that's that's the input from our audience anyone else have I a different grade to offer real quick we, before we transition oh. to our next uh segment I'd agree with the C minus, but there'd be a little note in red pen beside it saying, "I know you can do better." <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm only passing because I care. Well, see, I just want to add one more thing about people being mad at Spock. For the first time, human standards have caught up to Vulcan logic standards of maintaining a healthy, well-balanced diet. And this is the first Spock that actually looks like he could break a computer by pressing it down. 
Yeah. Like, oh, and, uh, the jackness comes with healthy eating. You don't get jacked on accident. You have yeah, to be logical. Yeah, and Orville Nation says a D, and uh, Maria says, explaining, what do we need that for, PJ? And I, you know what? You're right, Maria. I mean, Michael Bay can tell a story with just explosions, okay? We don't need a plot. I've... We don't need a script. Money. We just need action, <laughs> action, and message, message, and that's it. And I that's would rewatch. Don't ask questions. And if you ask questions, you're an insert buzzword of the week here. Well, I would rewatch the entirety of Transformers more times than I would probably rewatch this one. This particular episode, I might skip on rewatches, but I still like episode one. And episode two was fine. And episode three is, you know what, we'll see what episode four brings. And the rest of it, and we we got six more episodes to hopefully either enjoy or take apart. But with that... We have to transit to our final book for the next, for the foreseeable future, at least until July 19th, um, sadly, because June is just packed. Unless Kenobi sucks, then we can squeeze in a book. Um, <laughs> this is the Forever War, and we just went through this the last week. We put a link in the chat for those who want to listen to it on your own, or if you're interested. We're not going to spoil the, the endings, per se. We are going to hit a lot of the major points overall. But I don't think that's going to ruin the experience of, of either listening to this audiobook or reading it for yourselves because, oh man, and I put our general discussion chat up there because I can't think of anything I didn't like about this that's probably just mere nitpicking. Does anybody have any like major did not like issues or complaints about this story? Because I sure don't. <laughs> major issues with this story? Um, I didn't like that it ended like <laughs> it, it was the what? best yeah, ending like, i've it's ever like gotten a job in a book. like what are your like, top I don't five even... weaknesses i only have one weakness and that's that i don't have any weaknesses <laughs> <laughs> was the the thing that really like sent it for me was like this story ended perfectly but also i wasn't ready to be done but I also don't want anybody to ever try and add anything. Like, I don't want anybody to try and add the next week's. I don't want anybody to try and add the first week's. I like everything about this book exactly as it is. I'm just pissed that it ended. There, there was one thing that, that bothered me at first, although I think I was also like, you know, one of those moments where it's like, okay, either the writer's on to something that I, that's going to pay off later or, or it's just a bad writing thing but i was i was expecting it to pay off if that makes sense and that was just the, the total lack of explanation behind the torrens from the start like the conflict happened and then i was like i'm not invested in this as an enemy i don't have like i'm not i'm listening to this and i have no investment uh, on this war with the torrens and i was like okay so the writer is either <laughs> he's either going to pay this off as an idea or the writer is just completely gaffed you know? Do you want to tell him, or should I tell him? Go ahead. Hey, you you, you it, right? brought this suggestion. Oh yeah, to us I finished it won, today. So yeah. you can have the honor of explaining it to him. Okay. The idea. Okay. So the first thing, there are a couple of things that you need to understand about this this novel once you finish the novel, and that is that this the individual writer actually was a veteran that went through Vietnam. I saw that. And this yeah. story is sort of autobiographical so when you consider that he intentionally made the the torians by the end 
almost indistinguishable in terms of a threat. The idea is he's saying that there was actually no purpose to this war. Be- other than to, for lack of a better term, to make old guys richer. Right? No. And even then, no. it really wasn't. You, you missed yeah. the last line. The, 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 the last first, line. The first battle made me think made me think it was like had to, this has to be a personal experience for him of going in there and just slaughtering it absolutely is innocence the, basically and oh, I mean I, I, I want to try to avoid spoiling it which is why I'm not mentioning the last line I know I know well, okay okay yeah, so how I'm, much I'm, are we I'm, supposed I'm, to get into that I, I think that the the thing about the whole war that was really trying to be said and this is my best way of doing it spoiler free was that if we do not compete communicate with the other we're either gonna fight them or be killed by them that i wouldn't okay i want to all right fine the specific spoiler that i don't want to ruin for the audience is the romance and that's it otherwise okay. all the other implications oh. are on the table the romance, oh yeah don't worry about me Huh? Uh, as a side note, don't worry about ruining things for me. Uh, like, oh, I think even if we spoil everything, I think everybody who goes back and, and reads and watches it. And John, go ahead and pop the link in the chat for the free audiobook uh, for everybody there. We'll go ahead and just put that in again. Yeah, um, this is something that I would go and I would listen to or read, even if I knew ev- if I, even if I knew all the spoilers. I would yeah, go no, and I, I, would, I knew I, about Knights of the, I knew about the it's, Knights of the Old Republic yeah. spoiler, which I still won't spoil yeah. here on the show. But I, I still enjoyed the I still enjoyed the entire game. Still one of the best video games, best best Star Wars story in my opinion to ever hit Star Wars is Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, even better than That's Empire fair. Strikes Back. Um, but that's for a discussion a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so to kind of give them a, a summary then of the, the, the book, the basic premise is that uh, we're following a, a gentleman who starts out that he, he's really just kind of like a physics student that gets conscripted. And the trick with this battle against the Torians, which is really all kind of we learn about them for quite a while, is that they're this enemy that we need to go and fight. Now, the trick is, part of the way we get to the enemy is at relativistic speeds. So, while time continues normally from the character's perspective, actually, as he's traveling, years I, and years could, can go by. If I could jump in real quick, Corion, um, and there is no visual media for this book, which is a crime against all of us right now, that there isn't a visual story representation. Um, but there is a relatable representation to understand the plot in this. I definitely feel like I grasped the book better after having watched Interstellar. Interstellar does a lot of relativistic uh, type of, of travel, and so they touch on this, and that's why I was able to understand the Collapse Our Jump system. So if you haven't watched Interstellar yet, you'll probably want to just to understand the concepts, because Nolan and uh, Joe, uh, how do you say his last name again? Haldeman? Yeah. The e? Okay. And Joe Haldeman were very much on the similar uh, idea as far as trying to keep this somewhat realistic. And so currently, while I certainly personally have my doubts about relativistic travel myself, just for my own reasons, you know, it's, it's still a theory and it's still an accepted theory in a lot of the science and physics communities. So just putting that yeah. out there. Sorry to interrupt, Curry. I just wanted to say, no, absolutely. watch the watch Interstellar. It- Interstellar is, according to the theorist, the most accurate representation yeah. ever. That anyway, so, yeah. Sorry, we'll get yeah. well, that, yeah, visually that we've ever seen. So, going forward with the, the, the basic plot ideas. So, because his, his tour, 
has taken him well outside of our solar system and onto other worlds, time is changing and it's kind of leaving him behind. So by the time he's done his first tour, ages have passed on, on Earth and he has a lot of trouble reintegrating to society. So what does he do? He re-ups, he goes back out. And then when he comes back again, the world has completely changed. And as he's going, he's losing friends. He's losing the people that he was involved with that, that were his friends. And as time goes on and more tours happen, we're seeing that not only society changing, but the recruits are having to learn how to deal with these old fogies from previous centuries and actually learning their English. It would be like the equivalent of us having to learn the, the jargon that were used on sailing ships, right? You know, it, it, it would be so foreign to them in terms of culture and language and everything that changes. And as time's going on and war is changing in terms of how we're fighting it and, and what weapons we're using and the tactics are changing and everything else and society has completely left these guys behind to the point where by the time his last tour is done, humanity has become a transhuman organism. And the, it turns out that the enemy this whole time was almost the same style of transhuman organism. And now they're completely at peace. There's never been, if they had just communicated at the beginning of this, there never would have been a problem. But now here we are. And his home is as alien to him as the aliens he's been fighting this whole time. And him having to deal with that and having to find ways to deal with these problems. And even humanity is like, well, just in case this is an evolutionary dead end, we're going to start some colonies off, you know, just to keep the core humanity going, just in case we ever need to do anything. So why don't you go off with them? And he's almost back at square one by the end of this. And he's left wondering what was the point, which my understanding now, again, you know, was not a Vietnam vet, thank goodness. But that seems to have been the opinion of a lot of the vets that were coming back from this time. So yeah. in a lot of ways, this is a good microcosm of the previous generation, the generation before us and what they were dealing with as a society. Yep, and before before we continue to get into it, uh, Geek Flag with Nate Knows, 1973. Guys, if you all have a beverage, drink to Geek Flag with Nate Knows, 1973. Thank you. Your subscription does matter. We do appreciate the support in whatever way you guys can help us out to help us grow this channel. We do want to have more streams, and, and Maria, if you're still watching, um, we may end up getting to a point where our book segments will probably just be little 30 to 40 minute blurbs on this and then we might schedule like an actual book club stream um if we want to cross streams for that or, or dual promote or simulcast however that's just something to think about um but uh yeah it looks like we're up a few more subs now from when we started today that's been a lot this week we are finally we are starting to hit our stride we are starting to grow so thank you to panelist guys and thank you to you guys in the chat keeping the keeping the show keeping the dream alive um, it definitely helps. I like you guys. Good. Thank you. Uh, we like you too for being here, but I'm probably going to check out your stuff later. We all try to make it a point to help support each other because as uh, Orville Nation likes to say, you know, when we grow together, we, well, it just says when we grow together. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of something silly to throw on that, but, uh, and this is how it works. And so 
this helps us to get established on our little two hour uh you know sort of the uh this will probably be kind of the the brief version especially for our book segments and then we might start trying to do books in, a, in their own kind of uh show later on but we got to keep getting the following and get keep generating the interest as as much as we can uh, nate is great i'm not gonna call him nate the great though last person who received that nickname turned out to be a bastard so anyway and uh what's the show again ted lasso reference for those who know their ted lasso um so, yeah, yeah. I, I so i actually do have vets vet friends or at least not necessarily i know some of them unfortunately some of them have decided to take matters into their own hands and leave this world and uh others that i do know that or that knew of that were still alive a lot of them felt the same way um they felt that a lot of their time over in iraq and afghanistan was wasted and i'm not saying one way or the other for me personally this isn't a political discussion at the moment but it does play into the idea that forever war talks about and for again i represent my ideas for me personally and all the study that i've done in the last 10 years of, of warfare i'm convinced that there has not been an organic war for hundreds of years and possibly never but again discussion for a more philosophical show um, and I think that's what he does a great job of depicting this this story that takes place over a thousand years and, and anything it's only like four or five years to his lifetime which I thought was you know he basically uses the art of the time travel aspect to try and understand what it's like to go through PTSD um, and this is kind of speaking from my own perspective because I feel like I've already lived through uh, five lifetimes <laughs> geek flag in the chat you could just eliminate the middleman and call me nate the bastard uh, i'll consider that <laughs> i'd go with nate the adequate nate the yeah nate the above average um so okay let's stick to alliteration here nate the nice nate the nice ah. yeah nate the neat nate the anyway um nate the not quite so my uh so from i i feel like i've already lived through like four or five lifetimes and and when especially you guys on the panel learn more of my backstory when, it, when we get around to it you'll understand okay so from my perspective i think he does a great job of showing that experience of living several different lifetimes but then you're still only in your 20s and i think that's a perfect example of your average four-year combat vet is you know what they experienced over there is otherworldly by our standards what they had to go through and some of the horrible stuff that, that veterans have had to put up with and have been forced to do and whatnot, it, it's not pretty. And so I, I really like the way that Joe depicts his service through putting a thousand years of time in a, such a small amount because that's what it feels like when you're in those situations. You feel like, okay, you know, like your average gunfight it lasts maybe 30 to 45 seconds, I think was the number. And, and um, Marine guys, you can check me on that if, if needs be, or anyone in the chat can double check. But typically, the, or no, no, two minutes. Two minutes is the standard engagement time. Well, that two minutes of engagement can feel like an eternity to some people. There have been people that were willing to open up and talk to me. They basically said like, you know, you think you're gonna die. You're basically living out what you think are your last moments on earth. And so that's why it feels longer, but your average firefight engagement is super quick. And that's what I've liked about this is that they basically show the the warfare action scenes. If this does get a screen adaption, which I 
it absolutely deserves one. Uh, done to the same tune of the expanse, though. You can't, you cannot, you cannot deviate from this story, and there's no reason to. Um, but what I, what I really appreciated was just the fact that he, he was able to to show that, oh yeah, no, it, it it doesn't really matter what we do right now because all of our pre battles were were pre calculated and everything is just all of your. It's basically like inputting your chess moves on a chessboard that hasn't gone live yet. But you've already pre-planned all of your count moves and counter moves. And so that's what I really liked too was the time dilation differences in the fight. Where they're like, oh yeah, there's that missile coming around to blow up our ship. And uh, they'll be back in like a year. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it was just a totally new dynamic for me anyway to experience that. And, and at the same time, like I said, he does a good job of making it feel like an eternity. But really only a few years have passed. Even though in the universe literally thousands of years go by in this guy's lifetime but he's only like what 25 26 by the end of it he's still got a he's still got a whole other set of lifetimes to live through dude i i think this story is the most accurate depiction of what every single one of my combat vet friends actually confirmation felt maybe not so much in terms of the you know individual experience and maybe not even the individual uh opinion post event um but more of the the way every single combat vet talks about what they did as far as what i know and this is just my relationship with the iraq and afghanistan wars and people that served almost all of them come back hard and it's such a weird thing because like when we think about hard people especially if you watch a lot of tv like i do the majority of hard people are the people that keep telling everybody they're hard they're always the one that's like oh i'm the hardest guy in the room i'm the cool guy i'm the best guy but in reality like the hard people the ones that are actually hardened by their actions they're the ones that don't seem to value anything past their own contribution to it um there's a this book really depicts how much disenfranchisement a lot of the military members felt towards the military uh the government as a whole humanity as a whole they're sitting here skipping ahead fighting a galactic war and every time they come home their money is worth 10x less than it was worth and it doesn't matter how much back pay they get their inflation has ruined their world um and, and and as they continue on like there's this really fun line of like technology improving and everybody i hope everybody here knows that as war or as groups go to war technology fast turns suddenly we start making new inventions faster than we've ever thought of inventing before and it's to promote the war effort and this book does a fantastic job of describing potential future technologies but at the same time it never makes the character's life better like what we think about a lot when it comes to technology is like when it, with prosthetics and stuff like that we're like well one day you're just going to be able to regrow your leg and this character goes through this whole emotional moment where he is regrowing his leg and while he's regrowing his leg he's not 
suddenly like, oh, I'll just wait to this be back to normal, then I'll be back to fighting shape, and I'm ready to go back out there and live my best life. He's like, I lost my leg, and now I have a fake one. And yeah, it works, but it's not me. Like, this book is a very much a representation of uh, that the thesis. It's not the Theseus ship. It's the the ship that if you take all the parts off and you put it back together in the same part with new wood, is it still the same ship? Well, this story is, is the story of a human being ripped apart and put back together. And is he the same human? And there's so many like moments where it's like, no, he's a hundred percent the human that was rebuilt based off of all of the things that forced him to rebuild everything that broke him literally broke him or broke off of him and he had to fix it there's a whole point about uh manipulation where everybody has been hypnotized and they don't know they're hypnotized and then what we all think about how hypnosis would work is like once it's over you just get over it and he's like no everybody was puking vomiting they hated every action they committed and they hated the government and military even more for tricking them until the very last second and telling them that okay now we're going to turn you on and you're going to love this and they were all like i did love it but what a monster am i for loving the murderous rage and the writer even takes the point and goes i feel like a murderer because i am There was no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. It was straight, I'm a murderer, and I enjoyed murdering, and I hate myself even more for that. It was wild. Yep, and then Chris, before you uh, share your thoughts, uh, uh, Nate, the okay in the chat, says, Maybe Netflix can pick it up. I haven't read the book yet. You guys making it sound really interesting. I would love to see... Uh, probably meant a series on Netflix. Uh, I would prefer if Amazon picked it up. Uh, I know originally the expanse started as a sci-fi show, but Amazon at least picked it up and the writers of that show were respectful to the original author of the expanse. And that is the only way, and that's really the only way you should do a book, especially with technology these days. I mean, the excuses of limitations are over. So I too, I'm going to make your, your, I'm going to give you an early birthday present right now the rights are currently or late the rights are currently with warner brothers with channing tatum to play the main character dude i i love that the rights are somewhere but warner brothers is by far the absolute worst Uh, well, you miss, now you that Zaslav is the worst. DC, I'm sorry, Justice but... League, Superman, Christopher Nolan. Warner Brothers has no idea what they're doing with they, any of their properties. They, they never don't, have. but they did They did right by letting Nolan have his fun and, and working with Nolan. So if Nolan gets the Forever War... <laughs> oh. Okay. That's just too much to think about on stream right now. Chris, you've been waiting so eagerly and patiently to share your thoughts on the Forever War. Please, go ahead. I, I, I did I did love, love the battle parts, and I was always quite captivated by all that. But uh, the, the part that I really want to point out that, that, that struck me uh, otherwise was his depiction of the homogenization of society. Because I know this book was written in 1974, and uh, I was actually talking with my mom earlier about the difference between science fiction and speculative fiction. 
And there was definitely a lot of speculation about the passage of society. And I remember one scene that stuck out to me uh, was when he's when he was when he became the the trainer and he's standing in front of all these new recruits and he's observing the room and he's like, everyone in the room is exactly the same skin color, except there's that one white person and there's that one black person. And he's like, I wonder if if they if they're having a hard time for being the odd person out. And through the passage of time, every time he returns to society from from another act of duty, and so much more time has passed, he he observes this this homogenization of society that, that, as mentioned earlier, eventually just ends up where where society basically becomes the the same thing as they were fighting. <laughs> But but it goes through these stages, right? We're like, uh, you know, okay, there's a famine, so how do we control the food supply? You know, and what are the reactions to that? And then the one world currency, you know, uh, the the changing in dialect, um, and this slow progress uh, towards a point where everybody is exactly the same. There's no longer any real differentiation between cultures and histories. You know, and, and even when the doctor was like prosthetic, I think I might have heard about that in a story sometime. Like in lost culture, right? Um, and I and I and I kind of we don't we don't have to get into all of that, but I mean, you can kind of look around in the world today, and you, and you see there is a process of homogenization. And he wrote this in 1974, so he obviously he observed it then. Yeah, um, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Like, this is, he did a lot of speculations that, about society and how it was going that are slowly turning out to be true. And I mean, in some ways, these are good things, right? Like, look, us all having an understanding that we have a shared human experience is a good thing. Taken to extremes, maybe not. That's up to history to make the call on. But... I think we're going to see as a species that slowly as we, we branch out of our original roots and our original locations, we are going to start, you know, slowly becoming more like each other in a lot of ways. There's going to be kind of a, a general human that you're going to be able to see. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I think if you were to take a look at the average person right now, if you were to say, for example, take a picture of every single human on the planet and kind of layer the faces on top of each other, you would start to see some characteristics are becoming more and more common. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, In fact, if you take a look, the internet is doing this too because we're all sharing a culture. We're all sharing a hive mind, if you will, through the internet. It's the beginning of it. Well... See, I, I I love that those parts. Those are definitely very like fun ways to describe what could happen. The craziest part to me about this book is that when it was written in 1974, he almost perfectly predicted the the life of 2019. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but oh, yeah. his mom and his mom's lover are like, "You need to grow up." Like we know that you are you know flashing forward but world has accepted that there are gay people and you need to learn that your mom still needs love and and you have this man who 
is from the 70s who grew up in a world that did not accept that and what are his responses he never had one he never once said anything if you listen to like, if you read it or listen to it and you listen to that part it's just the mom's lover who goes off on him and storms out of the room and he it literally says i didn't say anything i didn't say anything and 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 she came back in and she came back in and and he's just like i i don't know how to deal this is all a shock to me like i've been home for like three days now i have to constantly have bodyguards or i'm gonna get shot um those parts of 2019 are pretty close <laughs> the the inflation rate it's a little high but the the parts about just like where society was going and then he even expands on that where to the point that there's a point in human history in this human history where eugenics takes over and they're like the reason why we can't have heterosexuals is because heterosexuals are terrible at choosing their mates and so they just keep messing with the gene pool but like i don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of a positive reason for making everybody gay i've never heard that in all the sci-fi that i've ever watched i've never heard a scientific explanation for why society agreed it was best to do this all i've ever heard is why society would never do that yeah and And this was such a like like when it comes to the message of modern society this was 74 it respected the potential of a message and then it expanded on that to the point that it got all the way to symbiosis and then at the very end it's like but you're not gonna like being a part of this if you grew up your whole life an individual. So I've given you worlds to be your individual self. But well, if you I, don't want to be your individual self, here's how you can join us. And that's what I liked about you know, that's one phase in his life. But then when they when they wake up after the war's over, and they find out that oh no, people were allowed to just basically live their lives and be people. And that segues into a couple of points. Well, the first point not really direct, but. Nate says, Warner Brothers is a hot mess right now, but if Christopher Nolan gets his hands in the Forever War, it could be good. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Another point that I agree with that you're kind of touching on here is, I often say we should never say someone is racist because we are all one race, the human race, and once we all start to realize this, we can move forward. And that is absolutely correct, Nate. I completely agree with that. That's why I never, you know... This is basically the kind of the politics that we've sort of agreed to is that... We, there is only one human race. We're all kind of in agreement with that consensus all around. I think everyone here pretty much follows that ideology. And but that's we, part do of... acknowledge, we do acknowledge that while there is only one human race, there is a plethora of human cultures that do not mesh, and they cause a lot of deviation, delineation, and deviance. Well, and we need we can, to, we can our learn. individual selves, respect other people exactly for who they are and and where we come from doesn't define who we choose to be tomorrow and that's part of what we're trying to do especially here at at twb um this show exactly on tuesday will probably never get into that sort of philosophical sociology stuff however our overall goal with what we want to try and do is restore respect into our discourse that's why we invite you guys bring in your, your your opinions here because this is a place where we will you know this is for lack of a better term, a safe space for all discussion. Doesn't mean we agree with you. Doesn't mean we agree with everybody. 
but it is a place where we will talk out our ideas and even Corey own. I, I was not happy with the with the ending of the ep of episode three of Star Trek. Then Corey own points out, well, yeah, it's packing it on, but hey, now Mbenga's a strong dad character. Okay, I can't now I kind of like the ending. I can't really hate that as much. I still think the delivery could have been better, but that's a good point to make, and that's what we do now. Just just because I agree with Corey own on that doesn't mean I agree with everything he says and does and believes because I don't have to. None of us do, and that's what I like about. The point that you brought up, John, with that point in the Forever War, is that it speaks on... It's the staple of good writing because it got you to think. It got you to really use your brain. It got you to see a concept that had never been explored. And it also, what I like is he didn't really confirm that that was correct. He just kind of alluded to, at the time, they assumed that heteros heteronormativity was incorrect, and so they got rid of it. But then they kind of backpedal on it towards the end and say, well... We realized that forcing people was wrong, and and so then that's like a very well, gross he, oversimplification of the ending. Yeah, because well, he he did such a nice thing of taking the time to just say like, this is what they did, like rather right. than being like, this is how they should have done it. This is how I think people should exist. He this was is like, how no, you must think. In my world that I am writing, the people made this decision. This is the reason I'm saying that they did it. Right. And he's not and necessarily it. right, and he's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, well, he's not even taking the time to, like, debate right and wrong and, and morality of the choice. Instead, he's le leaving that up to you. What he is saying that is, is his world had an event. Just like in our world, like, we, we cannot ever deny that slavery happened. And now every single species that ever looks at the human race has to say humans have enslaved other people before. That was a human choice. It is now a part of humanity. And what he's saying is in his future, there was other major decisions made on behalf of all of humanity made at the top. And that is terrible, but it is reality. Like we all do yeah, I... still live under governed law. And because of that, we are subject to the mass making good or bad decisions on our behalf. And that's, terrifying the healthcare part struck me and i mean mm -hmm. you know i it, it's horrifying but at the same time it's surprisingly accurate today you don't have the resources so his mom simply wasn't important enough priority to receive zero. priority and so she you know that was it yeah no it's it's an excellent corio's right this is an excellent response to to starship troopers because you know the thing about starship troopers the book not to get confused with the movie um is that it's also a very safe environment that that the author wrote in that sense of making the case for fascism and forever war is the exact opposite it is not a safe environment it is a total authoritarian environment and it, it, it again it, it, it does exactly what you guys are saying is spot on it explores the problems with ultimate authority and that and that you know Again, by the end of his trip, he's basically living in post-1776 America in the sense that you're free to go live your life how you want. And that's kind of what most people just want to do across the world is live their lives. Like, it's not... We, we aren't groups. We aren't camps. We aren't sides. There are no sides. There should only be two sides. You either agree with being more free and allowing people's right to exist, or you don't. Or you're wrong. And, and that's... <laughs> kind of you know no, no because as an individual you, 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 you can never tell another human being 
how to live because you've never experienced life as they've seen it. And therefore what you can do is you can tell them how you lived. And I think that's what this author did more than anything is he explored the next thousand or 1100 years according to him and he didn't even enjoy it (laughs) but like but that was his his reality and we we love it we're so grateful that he wrote this but like if you think about it the guy still had a very sad outlook on life and i don't think a lot of people came up to him after they finished reading the book and said can we make your life better well, no, um, there was one big person that came up to him after the award came. Uh, he won the uh, Hugo Award that year, which mm-hmm. was actually Robert Heinlein, the writer of Starship Troopers, <laughs> who commented to him that other than his own work, of course, this is his favorite work of, of space military uh, life. I think this and- one beat Starship Troopers oh, only absolutely. in terms of how many technologies it played with in a row. Absolutely. And I mean, I think the great thing about it is, is when these two writers had an, a, an unbelievable amount of respect for each other, mm. but they had diverging viewpoints and they built their cases. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of what we do here too, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're saying like, look, you can have whatever opinion you want about any of this, about where society's going, where it's been, what have you build your case present it and maybe we can all learn something from each other and we want to hear it that's absolutely yeah right so if anything the the reason why i chose this book was because i feel like the conversation between the starship starship troopers and the forever war almost perfectly encapsulates what we're trying to do here as well Mm. The, the perfect imagery perfect metaphor yeah, exactly. We're not interested in controlling anyone's thoughts or telling people. In fact, we're, we're you know, we're kind of joining the, the ranks of the pop culture war in a little bit more of a, not as aggressive as some of the other people, but in we're still, we're, the keeping, we're still war. putting our feet down and saying, if your product sucks, your product sucks. And we're not going to, you know, people are going to, people come to us to listen to our opinions on whether or not they want to invest their time and, and their, and their efforts into something. And if we don't think it's worth their time investment, we're not going to promote it, but we're also not going to take the other end of that and just go straight into, you know, maximum hatred overtime because it's, it's just, it's too much. It's, if you, if we don't like something, we just either, either some of us just won't participate in those discussions or we just won't cover it. And that's going to be that simple. And that's what we want in the chat as well. If you are passionate about something and you want to talk about it in the chat, go right ahead. Um, and that's just, we'll just go from there. Uh, Pops in the chat, welcome, says good stuff, spot on, and uh, washes hands, and uh, thank you, thank you for the, uh, thank you for the kind words, and yeah, we do like to have as good a discussion as we can on this stuff. Um, if there's any one other way I, I, go ahead. I said, if there's one way I look at it, uh, uh, it's that, you know, we have, we're, we're living one lifetime right now, and that's a whole other discussion of how many lifetimes we may lead, but, but we're living one lifetime right, right now. And there's a hundred lifetimes worth of content to devour, to, to enjoy, to watch, to read, to listen to. Um, so, I mean, we might as well try and find the really good stuff and focus on that exactly. uh, uh, rather than, than just spending all of our time consuming, you know, the stuff we don't actually enjoy um, because we, we can't possibly get through everything there is. There's not enough time in the world. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm trying. I'd also, I'd also argue too that just as it's important to discuss the things we don't like and why, it's also equally important for feedback purposes to the people who are writing this stuff to explain what we do like and what we do want to see more. Because you don't grow from just negative con uh, feedback. You grow from the positive as well. And I think they both have to be used in equal measure, right? Um, if, if we say, hey, do more of this, give us, you know, a, a live action, you know, big budget AAA movie of the Forever War because we believe that this is the kind of message that would be great to get out there right now and would resonate with so many people, right? I mean, that's just as important as saying, look, we really don't need another reboot of Dances with Wolves, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, both of those things are really important for the people who are writing the content to hear. Well, it, I think that's such a good point, Karim, because I personally, I, I am one of the few trying to actively spend my lifetime consuming all good media, <laughs> even some bad media, because I'm trying to consume it all. But in, in my consumption, a lot of podcasters in real time that I listen to, they say a lot of things about like, where's the Demolition Man reboot? Where's the Die Hard reboot? Where, like a lot of like every generation's childhood favorites are the ones that they're going to promote and, and ask for. And the problem is, it's like there was a time where that was nice and it's because one in 10 blockbuster movies was Star Wars. But now the technology is caught up, the money's caught up, the studios have caught up that you could make a new Star Wars every single weekend and release it every single weekend and you will get people that want to go and start seeing movies again. The problem is like a lot of people don't know how to write Star Wars because they never actually paid attention to what these other stories that actually like just made us fall in love with them on the first try and like they don't pay attention to what they really did and what they really did was say something something that they believed needed to be said and they said it in their way these new shows are so much group work there's so much group effort that we're getting c minus group projects and it's like thanks for the awesome visual effects like one thing no star trek besides this star trek has is all of the visual quality like no other star trek has this great of space no other star trek has this great of transport or, or not transport but beaming on right it's never been this clean in the history of ever but somehow the story writing has never been this bad in the history of star trek which means the only thing that people aren't paying attention to is the words of history they're paying attention to all the visuals, everything else, and they're ignoring the words. The world building is really important. I mean, like what? I mean, the, building the Bajoran and the Cardassian culture was such a central part of DS9, and, and it, it made that show increase the scope and interest of the Star Trek universe so much. I mean, I, I would love to see. Uh, I'd love to see any new Star Trek expand on that. You know, get new races and cultures in there instead of just going back to all the same ones. And, and you know, I, by all means, do a Cardassian episode, but you know, it wouldn't fit in the, the do it better than time the last one. Nah. <laughs> but but like, Brendan, yeah, you I mean, had a point. I'm sorry. Yeah. Chris, uh, well, I I had a few thoughts in regards to what little 
what a the little I did consume of the book uh, that I managed to get to, which I did like. It's not like I heard some was like this this book's trash. I'm not. Li-. No, I I did like what I heard. I, I explained or already kind of explained why I didn't get to it, and it was kind of a mix of a couple things, uh, along with what I've heard. But before I kind of got into those, I was gonna I had a separate thought I wanted to say before I forgot, and it was kind of leaning into how you were talking about like everyone wants a reboot of their generation's classics and stuff, and it it used to work really well because you always had at least this one big blockbuster you're always looking forward to and now because of how everything's caught up it's just like things kind of just drop and sometimes the reboot sometimes they're not but like some of the inspiration's not there uh like you have to like really watch for for those to drop and a weird experience that i had with that ironically was while i was in the military uh when i was deployed we had this office that was way it was like a mile away from our planes so like as one of the airmen who got to push toolboxes and go work on the planes and do downloads constantly i was like always in and out of the office so like when people had downtime and with planes you can't predict when they're broke they they break or they're not broken like there's just like like they'll fly and when they come back maybe they're functional maybe they are on fire who knows um so like every once in a while people would start movies and usually people wouldn't get to finish movies get pulled out but like people would always talk and make fun of whatever's on because it was the same nonsense but there was two moments on my entire deployment one in particular that was like weirdly stunning to like not just me like i wasn't the only one that really noticed that it was a weird moment and it was for a movie called the inevitable defeat of mr and pete it's a weird title it's a weird movie it is it is a wild ride it's not sci-fi or anything like that it's very much like a drama story but like this movie was so like weird to experience and heart-wrenching at times that you ha- there was like 20 different maintainers all in a room dead silent for the entire movie i've never been around crew chiefs avionics engines and nothing not a word was being said everyone was sitting watching and listening because this movie was just like captivating sometimes in the worst ways as far as just like the way it was pulling at you uh but like it was well done and it was just like this weird experience that no one was expecting we heard the name we're like oh that sounds ridiculous threw it in then we were like what have we just started like what's planes can wait they'll get fixed like what is happening here uh, but as far as the book is concerned, kind of shifting gears there, uh, even from the get-go, one of the things that I was really quickly able to appreciate, like, I, I was a mechanic. I wasn't I wasn't a grunt or anything like that. But, like, regardless, you can, you can tell from the way certain things are phrased, the way things are said, like, the personalities. Obviously, there's personalities put on characters, but even then, like, the military, the militaristic characters, like the the train the sergeants that get put in charge of them and stuff like there's certain aspects of the attitudes and the way they speak to them and things they say that was like i can reckon i was able to recognize like this this doesn't feel dramatic to me like this feels like i've probably met a dude who talks like this before like 
it, it was very relatable in that sense of like even as a mechanic like i've been through basic yeah it was air force so it was easy and even i wasn't that impressed but it was still basic you still go there you still get yelled at you still march you still clean and get told how terrible you are at it at the same time uh, we had a dude we called the T the T1000 because he'd go out with a rucksack and run faster than us backwards. Like it was it, like you meet a weird range of people and like even from the get go, like he does a good job of certain vibes. Like they tell him from the get go when they get there, they're like, "Look, you will listen to what I tell you to do, or you will die, and you'll probably die anyways. But if you don't listen to me, you'll just die faster, and maybe someone else will die because of it." Yeah. Um, so also. Um, with the machines that they get, one thing I really liked um, that I, to me, is not often. Usually, when you see this brand, either new technology or powerful technology, people figure it out real quick or able to do, figure it out without like injuring themselves. But they're like, dude, if you even think about doing something with too much effort, you're gonna wreck yourself and everything around you. Like, you will walk, you will not touch each other. You will not lean against these rocks. I'm going to show you why you're not going to do these things. Like, it was really cool to me to see this, like, the reality of, like, it's not just a toy I've given you. This is a machine. It has a purpose. It does this well. It does it well enough that it will do it to you. Like, that, 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 like, it, it frustrates me that I wasn't able to, like, kind of quickly be able to get myself back. Because there was things that I was like, okay, you, you have my attention. Like, I'm intrigued about what I'm hearing here. And then my stuff was just like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, your schedule, ha, 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 ha. Try again. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of comments in the chat that I want to get to. Um, Nate says, uh, or Geek Flag Nate in the chat says, now these days it seems like it's storytelling by committee and most of the people in the in those committees has no science fiction background so real quick i'll touch on that first um yes i don't know what you're what how familiar you are uh researching the behind the scenes of the creative committee behind the uh failed republic or the high republic whatever um we talked about this several times i'll just give you the quick version um yeah the first issue right out of the gate is they have all this list of stuff that they want to do and right at the top is garbage that involves the message nothing about good writing nothing about good characters so yes you are correct that is probably the big problem is that these writers are not being given the creative freedom that they need to actually write good stories they're being told push product push message and that's never worked I mean, there's plenty of examples I could give across any ideology, any any source that'll prove this time and again. If you don't have a good story, it's gonna suck. Um, the Sam, uh, I just want to comment on that one real quick as well, mostly because the message everybody, not everybody, but the majority of commentators as I listen to it, there's a lot of people talking about the message, and if, if you don't understand what the message is. It is what the 1950s marketing and ad agency used to do when they would say sex sells. That was like, that's how you make an ad is sex sells. And all weak advertisers think that all that means is sexy sells. Um, and in this, the modern version of sex sells is this new message of inclusion and diversity. Whereas like the people that have been the least inclusive and the least diverse has always been Hollywood elite. Um, and they've been doing it wrong for centuries and now they're suddenly getting called on it and they're like oh we're better than that 
and it's it's just bad marketing it it, it doesn't actually exist yeah. it's it's a it's another version of sex cells now it's diversity cells what is diversity whatever diverse thing you can think of it, it, it's a joke and it's bad and it's really bad marketing david ogilvy would hate every marketing agency every advertising agency yeah. in modern america a anyway con continuing from our uh, our viewer contribution um sam right. moore says well if you spend five times more per episode than most of the pre-2005 trek visual effects will improve yes unfortunately you can have the best visual effects in the world and it doesn't mean anything if your story is crap unless it's a concept movie or the point of the film is like snakes on a plane where you go into it not even taking that seriously you know what you're putting out that's fine um and then shabin says i think the market is oversaturated yes that is i mean we're in an oversaturated market even doing this show however the human population is still going on the up and up and eventually you know things are gonna as it, it, if we're talking like in the next hundred years assuming colonization of mars goes as planned and whatnot you know there's gonna be different markets throughout and there already are there's several different markets throughout the world there isn't this this and you bring up a point about um uh, about budgets or, or excuse me about the market being oversaturated it's also about what uh what content is being promoted by the people that own all the keys to media and so that's why you see a lot of stuff you know stuff doesn't naturally go viral the organic viral videos are very rare by comparison most stuff that goes viral is usually promoted with corporate money they have corporate advertising they have all the kinds of stuff that we can't afford to promote this show as an example and so it's not necessarily yes the market is oversaturated but that's the thing about the market is it should be oversaturated that's a good thing but we want it to be oversaturated with stuff that we actually want to consume and the forever war with a uh uh amazon style adaptation to screen is exactly something i'll watch i think it would make a perfect you know 10 episode limited series um or it can continue on the rest of the books so I don't think the issue is that the market, yes, the market is oversaturated, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's why content creators like ourselves are getting a lot of traction is because we take the time to watch stuff so that we can tell you if it's worthwhile. But we're doing I would something disagree, a little though. I don't think we it's wanna, oversaturated. We want to talk about, I, huh? I don't think it's oversaturated because I'm caught up. See, and that's <laughs> On and that's almost one everything you modern sci-fi. Yeah. You make the time for it. But we also yeah. want to promote other lost mediums or other mediums <laughs> that don't get as much traction that do deserve, like the book. The Forever War right, and, and deserves... And now I'm catching up on books. The, the, the Forever how. War deserves a screen adaptation more than Star Trek Picard ever did or any other garbage product out there. But here's the other side of that coin, though. What we might think is garbage, other people might not. Okay? There's an audience for The Fast and the Furious. There's an audience for Star Trek The Motion Picture. And that's the thing that we're realizing as we've started to do this show is that other people have things that they like that we don't. And that's okay. So we can at least... That, that's why I've said it before. I'll say it again. I would rather have like 20 different Star Trek shows at this point and everybody can pick and choose which ones they like and don't like for their own reason. Yeah, it's oversaturating the market with Star Trek. However, it's at least trying to appeal to some fans instead of just having, uh, you know, corporations tell us what we're going to like. And then uh, Nate says, Star Trek Discovery, a lot 
of their writers worked on Gilmore Girls with zero sci-fi background. Yeah, see, and that's... Well, for me, I'm about trying to... The top CW show of that year. It was the other one, the Secret Life of Teens or something like that. We're actually pressed up on time, guys. So any quick final thoughts on the Forever War that you can sum up in 30 seconds? Guys, take the time, read the book. It's worth... It's worth the, the, what, 10 hours of audiobook at the very least. It's not Absolutely. even 10 hours. Eight hours? Eight, eight hours. Half. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Only it's, eight it's hours. It's like watching honestly... a short season of a TV show, except it's audio. And it's yeah. really, really well, well uh, recorded. You, you, you get a lot of uh, a feeling out, out of the, the voice. You did a great job reading it. Yep. Anyway, um,. We're going to go ahead and take the last five minutes to try and do it right this time. Uh, if you like what we're seeing and what we're doing, please consider giving us a like and a subscribe, as it says at the top of the screen. Uh, but also uh, want to promote our panelists here. CC Karaoke, Chris of CC Karaoke, runs his own uh, karaoke bar, digital karaoke bar, so to speak. But he's also connected with a lot of the other karaoke communities. Chris, why don't you go ahead, if there's anyone else you want to try and plug, uh, sure. Uh, I run a channel called CC Karaoke, and uh, lately I've been doing live streams as well. And the fun part of that, about that is because I've been hanging out with a lot of pop, pop culture channels on YouTube, is that um, for one reason or another, a lot of them decided they like karaoke too. And so we've all been running uh, various karaoke streams, uh, and you, you'll see a lot of uh, familiar names if, if, you've, uh, if, if you've hung around this community. Uh, for any amount of time, <laughs> you'll be like, hey, I know that person, I know that person. So it's just been a great time uh, hanging out with everyone uh, in that format. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I think let's see, I've got the link. Uh, you promoted these guys, so kind of to go along with that, Jedi Bill, um, fun little atmosphere there for some for some digital karaoke. Uh, next up, I believe we have Corey Ohm. Sure, so I do have my own channel where I talk about more philosophical and spiritual kind of uh, effects that pop culture has. Uh, just recently, I did a video on Enemy Mine, so I would really appreciate it if you would check it out. But I would also really super appreciate it if you would uh, check out Orville Nation and Tea Time with uh, Marie and Telly. They are amazing. They have been really supportive of us, and we yes. want to do the exact same thing right back. Yes, please consider joining their discussion. Uh... Let's see. I came in and on the door. says my glad Orville Nation turned me on to you guys. I'm really liking it. Yeah, and Nate, from all the stuff that you've said so far, I think you're going to hang out and enjoy your time here, and, and we're going to get along just fine. And we definitely, you know, June's going to be packed, and we'll probably only have about 30 minutes per show to watch for what we got on our schedule up ahead. It's it's looking, future's looking bright, but it is, it is definitely... Um, I look forward to joining you guys, but have fun, but keep it legal. Oh, absolutely. No, we're, we're, we're not, I'm not going to tell people how to live their lives, but I'm also not going to promote illegal activity on this show either. Um, and then yes. So all these other wonderful people who've supported us, I'm having trouble locating Corey Owen's channel. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just say, do whatever you want, just so long as it doesn't harm somebody else yeah. or yourself. Yeah. That's be it. good uh, or be good at it. Brandon, anything to promote? I mean, I got my little tiny, uh, insignificant uh, Twitch channel that I stream on Thursdays. Uh, I do a throwback Thursday stream. He's a Twitch affiliate.
Uh, I am not a Twitch affiliate, homie. I am not quite. I need an average of three viewers for an X period of time to do that. I have enough right. followers you to heard be him, a Twitch guys. affiliate. You heard him. <laughs> Get out there. Let's give him those three views on Throwback Thursday. But yeah, mainstream I do is I, I try to do a Throwback Thursday stream where I try to play an older game of some kind. Uh, last Thursday, I played Parasite Eve, which is oh, a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's it's really a... It's a horror J uh, like a horror JRPG. It takes like old school Resident Evil traits and like JRPG turn-based traits, and it's a it's an interesting one. It's one I've had my eye on for a long time. But uh, come hang out, BS. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a little more uh, open with my language. Yeah, Sam R says I wish you guys all the success, <laughs> but I like uh, a small chat room like this. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we want to grow and, and have other uh, hopefully have other shows but unfortunately for this show we are out of time for today i want to thank everybody including uh, our panelists and of course you guys in the chat helping us be a success sam r will try to keep it personal i'm pd york have a good night